Thank you, Jill, for reading the Scriptures. Let us turn in the Word of God there to that passage that we have just had read, and we're, we're, we're staying with Luke chapter 1, and there's just one little phrase in the verse 30 uh, I want you to think about today. It's just one little phrase, fear not Mary, fear not Mary. Let's just have a word of prayer. Our gracious Father, we come into your holy presence. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the meeting. We thank you for each one that has participated. We thank you for each one that is present, each one that is listening on the live stream. And we pray that you would speak to us now through thy word, that we will hear your voice, and may we be submissive to your word, and may we understand the relevance of your word for us now. And so we commit our time together around the word of God to thee, for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. On Wednesday night past, we talked about the ministry of angels and how integral the ministry of angel is to the Christmas story. And when children are acting out their nativity plays at school, well, you'll have various key characters, but you'll always have the angels because the story is incomplete without the angels because in the in the account of our Lord's nativity, the, the angels are there, I, I think, more than at any other period in the life of our Savior, and probably more than any other period in the whole history of the world. The angels are appearing there to, to, to men and women and to people, and while the angels are all around us, and I believe that with all my heart, yet it's very rare that that people know that they've seen an angel. Of course, as I said the other night, um, we may have seen angels and never realized we've seen angels. For some entertained angels unawares, we are told. And so that is a thought that we can hang in our minds there. But uh, when children are acting out their nativity plays and relating the story of, of Christ's birth, there will always be Mary. The Virgin Mary ha has to be there. And we couldn't say that she's the central figure because Christ is the central figure, as He is the central figure of Scripture. But nevertheless, the story would be absolutely incomplete without this lady. And she was a very young lady, probably a teenager. And we're just going to think about the words that the angel had for her here in Luke chapter 1 and the verse 30. It's Luke who records the interview. Luke records this interview between Gabriel and, and Mary. And at the heart of this interview are these three words, fear not Mary. And these were words of encouragement to give her strength for what lay ahead. So very simply, three thoughts that come from these words, fear not, Mary. There is a word of commendation here, first of all. Mary was not to be afraid in the presence of this holy creature. And we can understand how she was afraid. If an angelic figure who appeared with such glory and power and in such a majestic way, and we have to believe that Gabriel did appear in that way, because Mary was afraid and troubled in the presence of this 
angel. We are told in verse 29, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And some of the things that the angel had said to her struck her in her heart as being very important, and she felt herself to be undeserving of such words. Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. But as she stood in the presence of this supernatural being, this one that was dispatched directly from the throne of God into her life and into her home, I don't know what she was doing on this particular day, but her life would never be the same again from this day forward. And as she stood in the presence of this angel Gabriel, she was not condemned. She was commended. She wasn't condemned for her sins. And she was a sinner as we all are sinners. But she wasn't condemned. She was commended. And the reason why she was commended was this. She was a sacred vessel being called to do what no other woman ever would do. She would carry the Son of God in human flesh within her womb and give birth to the man, Christ Jesus. And what a task she was selected for. And therefore, she was commended because the angel said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I often have wondered what the Apostle Paul meant over in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 and the verse 14 about the woman. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression, notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. I've often wondered what that means. The woman saved through childbearing. When you ladies, you mothers know what a difficult task childbearing is. And yet we are told that the woman is saved through childbearing. Someone asked me about this a little time ago, and, and I gave what I thought was the answer. I'm not so sure that was the answer, the more I think about it now. And I felt the answer was, well, Eve had sinned, and because sin had come into the world through the woman that took that forbidden fruit, that, that, that she had to give birth with such pain. But I don't think that's right. And the person that asked me the question was troubled because this person said, but we are not saved through any works that we do. Works don't save us. So how is it that the woman is saved through childbearing? Does that not go against the whole tenor of the gospel? And that lady had a point. And it just came to me this week as I was doing some reading and looking and meditating upon this, that does that phrase not relate to Mary? Because a woman was chosen to give birth to Christ. And the world would be saved 
through the child that that woman would bear. And it is not that the woman is saved through childbearing, but both the woman and the man and humanity have hope through the one that the woman bore. And therefore, the childbearing is not a punishment for the woman. We shouldn't view it in that way. It, it was an act of tremendous and beautiful grace in that the woman, yes, took the forbidden fruit and she gave to Adam and he did eat. But this is the wonderful thing. The woman was then selected to bring the Christ into the world. Whenever we think of Mary, Mary, I believe, encourages and elevates the woman and the mother. And we don't go down the Roman route where we worship the mother and the child. That swings the pendulum much too far in one direction. But certainly, the woman is blessed because Mary was chosen to be this chosen vessel who would bring forth the man, Christ Jesus, into the world. She was highly commended. And Mary especially was chosen because she found favor with God. She found favor with God. Now, th these words, found favor, they literally mean she's full of grace. She's full of grace. It reminds me very much of how God viewed Noah and that wicked, wicked world. We are told that he found grace in the sight of the Lord. And that teaches me that Mary was forgiven. She had grace. And she was living that grace out. There, there was a, a beauty in Mary. A beauty that went beneath the surface of the skin. It was a, a beauty of heart. And it was a beauty of soul. And it was a beauty of mind. A beauty of character. A beauty of attitude. It was the beauty of grace. God gave her grace. And that grace was very much part of her life. This informs me as to the kind of woman that, that Mary was. She was a, a moral, upright woman. Young woman waiting in marriage to the one whom she loved, Joseph. She had so many hopes and dreams of spending her life with Joseph, and yet Joseph and Mary had been living a scrupulously moral lifestyle. And that's, of course, is a, a lesson for everyone. It's a lesson for young people. It's a lesson for us all, the importance of practicing morality in our lives. Mary found favor with God. She was full of grace. She had lived as pure a life as it was possible for a sinner saved by grace so to live. She wasn't just a woman that was commended. She was a young person that was commended. She was probably only in her teens at this time. Jewish girls married very young, but she had been living for God, serving God, doing her best for the Lord. She had put her faith in God, and therefore she found favor. We need to develop that beauty that's in the heart and in the soul. There's so much emphasis upon externals nowadays, but what about the heart? You know, man looketh on the outward appearance but God looks at the heart. 
and are we cultivating a heart that is pleasing in the sight of God? Because Mary had such a heart. But never once did she believe that she would ever do such a thing. As she was called to do. But she was called to do this very thing. Because she had a heart that was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And we will only as Christians be useful for God if we have hearts that are pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Are we in that place today where we will hear these words, fear not? You have found favor with God. You're full of grace. Do we hear that commendation coming to our hearts at this time? It wasn't just a word of commendation, but it was also a word of consolation. As I have said, there was something glorious about the appearance of Gabriel. Something even more remarkable about the things that he said, because we are told that she was particularly troubled at the saying of Gabriel. Particularly troubled why he should address her in this way. And let's reflect again on how he addressed her in verse 28. Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. She wasn't blessed above women. But she was blessed among women. And why was she so troubled at this kind of salutation? It seemed to be great words. But she felt unworthy. She had no right to such a salutation. She had no right to be addressed in such a way. Here she was, just a a poor Jewish girl, living in this place that was right on the very border of the northernmost outpost of the Jewish people in Galilee. A place that was not remarkable, a place that there were no great prophecies concerning, and nobody of any note had ever come from this district before. And here she was, She was being called highly favored and she was being blessed among women by this angel. But it was this very humility, this sense of unworthiness in Mary that made her the young woman that she was. Because in the book of Isaiah chapter 57 and the verse 15 we have these words. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive of the the heart of the contrite ones. The great and noble God that inhabits eternity. Who are the people that he blesses? Those that are of a contrite and a humble spirit if we don't have a humble spirit today God will not bless us I think that's a really important thing that we need to learn learn over and over and over again we may come with a a burden of sin we feel the guilt of it we feel the weight of it but God can bless you Even though you come today with that weight of sin. And it presses you down and you wonder, can I be forgiven? Yes, you can be forgiven. You confess that sin to God. And you acknowledge that sin and you pray for forgiveness. 
And you can walk out of this place, the burden totally lifted. Thank God sin is no obstacle to the blessing of God. When you put that sin right in the sight of the Lord, and you may be a backslider. You've lost out with the Lord. You're not what you once were. And yet you can have those years restored. The years that locusts have eaten. When the locusts came, they took everything. They stripped all the vegetation. They left everything. They left nothing behind. But the God, God can give you back what, what man can't give you back. There needs to be the humble spirit, you see. And, and you may be here today and you're not saved. You don't know the Lord is your Savior. And you've put this off time and time again, coming to Christ. You know you need to be saved. You know you cannot afford to die without Christ and without hope. And yet you, you trifle with eternity. And well, you know it. But if you humble your spirit in the sight of God today, you'll be saved and you'll be delivered. But if you don't humble yourself, if you don't acknowledge your sinfulness, your need of God's grace, you'll never know God's blessing. You'll not know restoration. You won't know salvation. You won't know forgiveness. You won't know grace and you won't know heaven if you don't humble yourself in the sight of God. And that's why it is so important to have the, the spirit that, that Mary had. She acknowledged this, that she had no right to such Fine words. You see, for me, these words, fear not, are the, the spirit of grace itself. Fear not, Mary. This is, this is God's grace. You're not to be afraid because God has been gracious towards you. One day, we're all going to stand before God. Before Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came into this world in the form of a man, born of a virgin... And one day he will come back to judge the world of the last day and we will stand before him. And for the child of God whose sins are covered by the blood of Christ, the child of God who is justified through faith in Christ alone, prepared to meet the righteous God, we'll hear those words, fear not. It'll be a fearful day for many. But for the child of God, fear not. Sins all covered by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, to those to whom God says, fear not, we've received the power of grace. I want to tell you something. We are loved by God every bit as much as Mary was loved. You see, Mary is a child of God as we all are children of God, those that are saved. And therefore, Mary is, is an example of the Christian here. And how God views the Christian. You think of how Gabriel, he came and he said, fear not, you're, you're highly favored, you're blessed, you're remarkably blessed. I've got work for you to do. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, and the verse 4, we read, this is what God says concerning his people. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. I have loved thee. Precious in the Lord's sight. When the saints of God die, we're told that their deaths are precious. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. But the reason why God's saints are precious to the Lord in death is because we're precious to the Lord in life. We're loved with an everlasting love. In that very same passage in Isaiah, 
the Lord says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. What a blessing it is to face life and to face troubles and to face worries and things that would make one afraid knowing that we are redeemed the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Precious and loved. What more could we want? The deepest longing of the human spirit is to love and to be loved. But ultimately that need will only be met when we know the love of God in Christ. One more thought and then we're through. This, these words fear not. There is a word here of commendation, a word of consolation, but there's also a word of communication. Because Mary underscored the fact that, that she was living an upstanding moral life because she said in verse 34, how shall this be? How is it that I can have a son? I've never known a man. I've never had that relationship. And then Gabriel, he, he explains the whole thing. No greater words were ever put before a human being than those that Gabriel put before Mary on that day. Because what did he say before Mary asked this question? He said in verse 31, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Oh, the greatness of Christ. You know, we could preach a whole sermon on that. The greatness of Christ, the superlatives of Christ. The greatness of his birth, the greatness of his life, the greatness of his death. The death of death and the death of Christ. How he died and took all of our sins and slew them and slew death for us on that cross. And how he rose again. He triumphed, victorious. He's in glory today praying for us. He shall be great. What a great salvation he provides. The son of the highest, the son of God. The throne of his father David. Stands into the inheritance of David. He's the great king. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. His kingdom reaches beyond the Jewish people. as an everlasting kingdom. An everlasting dominion. He's king of kings. Lord of lords. How can this be? Mary said. And then the angel said in verse 35. Oh, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. The more Gabriel talked, the more remarkable, the more mysterious, the more wonderful the whole story was. His name shall be called Wonderful, Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And when Mary heard all of this, what did she say in verse 38? Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Absolutely, completely submissive to the will of God. Completely submissive to the will of God. And that's really what we need to do with God's word. Is be absolutely and completely submissive to the will of God. Again, that spirit of humility was part of her nature. But God made her what she was. Nothing's impossible with God. The God who could send the Son into the world in the form of a man, born of a virgin, 
The God who sent the Son into the world to die is the substitute for us. To be nailed to that cross and then to rise again from that grave. He can do anything. Particular, the greatest miracle is he saves those that call upon his name. And if you don't know the Lord today, you seek the Lord, find life in him. And can you be transformed? Yes, you can. Because with God, nothing shall be impossible. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless it to our hearts. Undertake for the remainder of this meeting. For Christ's sake.